podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Hello, everyone. Happy hump day uh, to all of you. It is uh, beautiful in Melbourne today. Uh, why I know that? Because the sun is shining and I also got a 10-minute parole to go on the rooftop for a walk in my quarantine. How lovely that was. Um, you know, good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, wherever you're listening this amazing uh, LinkedIn Live. My name is Naishad Gadani, uh, and I'm the founder of Your Career Down Under. Now, I and Caroline Brown pops up on your LinkedIn screen to deliver a message of hope in this uh, unprecedented circumstances that we find ourselves in. And what we want to do is to provide as much ideas, inspirations and insights as possible to help you to you know, navigate, survive, thrive or even the overused word right now is pivot your career to a better place. Uh, me and Caroline does not uh, do not claim that we have got all the answers, and that's why we bring experts such as Shun today here, uh, you know, to make make uh, you know sense of this all. You know, mind you, me and Caroline Caroline are also learning uh, from our guests as much as that we are also discussing our views. Uh, it is it has been an incredible learning experience for all of us. This is our forty seventh episode. Um, you know, every day doing it has taken a lot of our time, uh, but it is a fulfilling time for us. It is the, those 45 minutes that, you know, that you are in a zone and you forget everything. And I'm continuously engaged in a very powerful conversation. So that's what this LinkedIn Live is all about. And so it is known as Career Care Package. So if you go on LinkedIn, search for Career Care Package and follow that, because if you follow that, we get our in ego inflated, but at the same time, you also get, um, you know, uh, whenever it gets trending or whenever it's in the news, you also get notified. So now I'm going to shut up and I'm going to ask Caroline. Welcome, Caroline. Thanks, Nishad. Yes, follow hashtag career care package. We were talking about it the other day and Nish and I discovered that we had two followers. So we doubled it in 10 seconds by following our own hashtags. So please follow. It uh, just means really that um, you can watch the replays really easily and search what's coming up and, and that type of thing, apart from stroking our egos as well. So um, today we're delighted because we've got Sean Betty with us. And um, in sort of pulling together this program, I was thinking about my own journey of career reinvention, which involved a lot of mistakes <laughs> and involved a lot of um, experimentation. Actually, I probably wouldn't call them mistakes, but I did dabble in a lot of a lot of different things in terms of volunteering and doing small projects and jobs on the side. So um, I wanted to sort of talk to Shan today about her career reinvention and, and what she does because it's times like these that help and having guidance and having a mentor and having a coach can really be helpful. And also digging into what somebody's done 
actually done to make that reinvention happen. So, Sean, thank you for joining us. Um, I'd love to maybe start with talking about perhaps give people a rundown of how you got to the point that you you are now in terms of your your background and career history. Well, thank you for having me um, as part of today's show and and by no means would I call myself an expert at all other than an expert in experimentation and uh, continuously throwing myself out there and continuously learning. Um, my career journey, I think it, it's always very satisfying when somebody says, wow, you've got a very interesting back background and you've got a very interesting career journey. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, a good 28 years in the making, 30 years in the making. Um, I think to sort of sum up my, my career journey, I would probably say there's elements of that which were great gifts that were given in my lap. And, and when I say gifts, I would say opportunities of change that were given in my lap. I think as all of us, we've probably sometime in our lives experienced different reasons that we actually need to think about career choices and career change. Um, whether it is parenthood, whether it's motherhood, whether it's caring for someone, whether it's relocation, whether it's redundancy, um, you know, there are different reasons that we have that we really need to think about what our choices will be in career change. And there are different drivers and motivation. Um, one motivation might be as quickly as I can to get a job so I can get money, One which is a very important motivation. But I think as you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you realise, you know, there are other motivations that people have which might be in terms of esteem, which might be one angle, which is career progression, um, promotion. Other people may have from an esteem perspective of doing something that really um, connects with, with a desire of theirs or, or the desire to give back in some way. Um, and as you move up Maslow's hierarchy, you also get to self-actualisation and altruism where you really do find that there has to be a lot more meaning behind what you want to explore. Um, and sometimes it can just be about exploring and the desire to find something where you can actually connect with. So, um, you know, growing up in an Indian, traditional conservative Indian family, the natural choices of career choices that you should really target is engineering, medicine, business. Um, and so being, being a you know obliging Indian girl, I decided to go into business because you know that would just make everyone happy, and I'd be a really good um, catch that could get married off. But I think it's, and I think the other challenge is, is that when we do our university degree, we always put an identity or or put a direction to our career choice, which is aligned to whatever course that we've done. So. Um, there are some courses that you do like engineering or law or medicine where you come out with a predefined profession. There are some careers that some um, courses that you do like arts and business where it's still variable as to where you might actually proceed in terms of your career choice. So I think it's it's interesting for me to reflect back onto my choice of course as well in business, what stream do you choose? Somewhere you're already at a subconscious level, have a connection to what your personality is, what your preferences are, what you actually aspire to. So I chose marketing because I really did enjoy connecting with people and working with people. Um, first job, I think, is usually out of desperation. Just let me get a job. So you take any, you take the first job that you get. 
Um, and interestingly, that was a customer service job in a in RMIT Institute, which was about training and, and really looking after organization corporate training. Second job was very quickly whatever comes to me that actually connects with my degree. So that was a job at Toyota, which is in sales and marketing, which is sales and planning. Um, and then you sort of work to try and see if you can get into promotion and work up the ladder until you get to a stage in life where I actually then left for maternity leave. And during my MBA, I actually discovered a passion or a, a very strong attraction to pharmaceutical and healthcare. And I think that was really um, nurtured by in my MBA program, having a lot of colleagues who actually came from the pharma world. So I was very blessed that I actually had that opportunity to open my horizon and eyes and experience a different profession and a different industry. And quite interestingly, I, as a child, always wanted to do medicine, but I never really wanted to study science. Um, and yet at, at, after my MBA, I very stubbornly really wanted to enter the pharmaceutical world. Um, and the way in was usually by becoming a sales rep. Yet in those days, you really still needed a science degree. And I persevered with the recruitment agency that was specializing in pharmaceutical sales reps. And luckily, um, she was very, very good to actually see my perseverance as the transferable skills that were warranted for a role like that. So the ability to persevere, the ability to connect with people, the ability to be action oriented, the ability to learn new things, the ability to dive in and learn complex language and complex topics, um, the ability to really um, have that uh, agility as well. And, and I think she also saw my passion coming through for the industry so that she gave me an opportunity to move into a role in that industry. Then I needed to relocate to Singapore. And of course, now the opportunity was, you know, what do I, what do I do? I've followed my husband as the expat wife. What do I do? I think the key thing here is also to really think about what your intention is. So if your intention in your career choice is going to be the first job that I get, or if your intention is, you know, something that's aligned to my course, or if your intention now, my intention now was I want to explore something different and really get some local Asian experience. Um, so there's two parts to, I think, in, in my career choices that were driving it. One, which is what's your intention? And second, which is you do have to be very self-reflective of how you position yourself by leveraging what your past experience has been. Um, and I'll get to that in, in a moment as well, but I think your past experience has many different facets to it. Um, it's not just what your role has been or what your studies have been or what the industry that you come from. So during that time, I succeeded in getting three different offers. One was in healthcare publishing, one was in healthcare recruitment, and one was working in a business development field for finance. Interestingly, I thought finance, um, business development, where's the connection? But, you know, I think what's interesting is that recruiters and people hiring see the transferable skills, but we as the people applying for the roles don't have the confidence to see those transferable skills in action. Um, anyway, I was very keen to seek very local experience in Asia and I went for the healthcare publishing role. Um, and that was great, very, very local experience. I um, And it was still connected to my healthcare 
title or healthcare tag to a certain extent. Six months into the role, I felt this desire to be more strategic. Um, and I couldn't understand where it was coming from. And actually, when you think of, when I think about it later in life, there's an innate desire in me to be strategic, innate desire in me to be creative. And, and you know, it's very important to be self-reflective again and self-aware to pinpoint these skills that you have, which add to your positioning beyond just your title or your, your course that you studied. Um, so I decided to uh, think about a more strategic way to develop and grow the business. And working for a healthcare publication, the advertising revenue, advertising was the revenue source for that um, magazine. So I decided to work with advertising agencies to try and see how we, we could connect with customers to build the business. That eventually led to, and I think this is where networking becomes really important. Sometimes we're networking and we don't even realize that we're networking. Um, but that led to the advertising agency asking me to join them and to start off their healthcare business in the advertising agency. I had never worked in advertising. I had never actually, um, I was great at positioning myself for healthcare and pharma, but yes, I knew more about pharma marketing than the people hiring me, but by no means did I really have enough knowledge. Um, but yet I thought, why not? Yes. And I think this is a really interesting, um, and, you know, Sheryl Sandberg talks about this as well and specific, more specifically for women, but I think it applies to all of us, that concept of lean in, that you don't have to be fully qualified for a particular career direction. You just have to jump in and give it a shot. Um, so I jumped in and gave it a shot and, you know, steep learning curve but did the learning and in seven years from business development Singapore to managing managing director Singapore to managing director Southeast Asia to managing director APAC and I got to the pinnacle of my career um, by very nicely having these opportunities come my way and not really thinking about them in terms of career but my career was reinventing um, on its own somehow with the subconscious in at play but when I got to the pinnacle of my career and, you know, earning the highest I've ever earned in my life, I was the least happy and I couldn't understand why. Um, I wasn't sure whether I was having depression or whether I was about to have a midlife crisis, but I was just really dissatisfied. And what I reflected on at that time was by being promoted, I actually, the nature of my work had actually changed. And what's really important is not necessarily always the title or the money or the seniority, but the work that you're doing. And so I really wanted to be doing a lot of the more strategy, working with customers, driving solutions, working to support people, and not necessarily the political aspects of what corporate world really required. Um, and that was a really interesting time for me to actually think about if I'm not happy at this stage in my career, what is going to make me happy? And I think career invention, reinvention, there's that aspect of it which is really about not just necessity, not just in terms of where the work is and you want to go, but what is it that you actually want to be doing? And now how do you create that? So, you know, when you come to that concept of what is your why and how do you now move ahead in your why? Um, and I came to the realization that my why was very much anchored on things that I'd sort of learned in my journey, um, 
since the age of nine, and, I, and I'd be very happy to share with you about the inner since the age of nine. And as I grew up, things that I learned along the way that really were giving me a calling to make a difference to the lives of people. Um, and so I really needed to kind of change my career to that direction, which then led me into a lot of work around developing women leaders, developing leadership, um, as well as career coaching, uh, working in the health and well-being space in terms of mental health. So that's really been um, my career journey, which uh, to a certain extent has been blessedly accidental and to a certain extent has been um, driven by optimism and courage and confidence and being scared shitless still, but, you know, um, still blessedly grateful. <laughs> So how did you know? Oh, do you want to go nation? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to ask you one thing. Sorry, KB. Is the is the subconscious, uh, you know, thing that you said? Um, you know, because I have, uh, you know, a theory which I posted also on LinkedIn a little bit is that deep down we know what we want to be or who we want to be, uh, but what comes after birth is something that we continuously deal with in you know until we until we get to there you know uh, i remember i think few months back my wife asked me a question and they should tell me if you if, if if money is not a problem if, you know then what would you be i said i'll probably be a primary school teacher uh, you know in a in probably a, not so much a remote but a town in india and i just just want to be there and she said why and I reflected on that question because my primary school teacher was an absolutely amazing man. And he told so much stories and he uh, I don't know whether he uh, had impact on similar on someone else, but he had a genuinely great impact on. And I can still vividly remember his classes and connect to that. So, you know, so that sits in my subconscious and I. You know, I kind of gravitated towards towards roles which are more in explanatory in nature, how to teach something, you know. But but what are your thoughts on how did you, you know, kind of, you know the role of that subconscious played in mm -hmm. your you know career reinventions? And then KB, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, next will be take take your mm -hmm. question. So I I think um, you know I do believe that we do we do come with that part of me has a very spiritual aspect to me as well so i do believe that we come with a purpose in in the world um sometimes the experiences we have are not designed to make life horrible but maybe those experiences are designed to help us to find that path to our purpose um and i do believe that we do you know we we are naturally we have certain aspects of us that we come as a personality we are nurtured as well and therefore we also develop aspects of our personality through nurturing and i would kind of call those um, learned or conditioned aspects but we do have very natural elements within us as well so the key is to have enough experiences that open your eyes and your mind and your heart to seeing that's subconscious come out into practice um it's very hard and sometimes it can it can scare us as well when we actually think about what what 
the subconscious is going to try is trying to tell us. Um, it's very interesting when I think when I reflect back on my journey because if I sort of think back when I was nine years old and what were the kind of games that I like to play and what were the kind of things that I enjoyed doing, I see a very strong connect with them. And I would love, Neshad, for you to do this activity as well. But I see a very strong connection with the games that I played and actually the meanings that they have in terms of what I what I do in my life, in terms of where my career has reinvented itself over the time. So one of the things that I used to love playing was doctors and nurses. And I didn't want to do science, but I so wanted to be involved in healthcare. And when I think about that connection now, it's so much around um, helping people in their well-being, helping people in their their being themselves, helping people in their health. And I do believe that health and well-being is about meaningful lives. It's about meaningful careers. It's about the coaching element as well. There's all these elements that add to it. It's not just about prescribed medicine. And, you know, that's probably where a lot of my connection was happening to um, working within the pharma industry and working in healthcare. There was a connection there at a subconscious level. Um, the other thing I used to love doing was being teacher. And the way I used to teach myself was with a blackboard and I would actually, I, I self-taught myself Japanese, I self-taught myself many things and I would have my dolls and everyone sitting there and I would teach them. <laughs> and my dad always used to say, you should be a teacher. Um, my dad always said to me, you have this great ability to be a lawyer because you just know how to kind of um, put things into perspective and arguments. And, you know, maybe my sales skills come from that, my, my ability to... Um, create meaningful connections might come from that as well. I used to want to be um, a fashion designer and I loved sewing and I loved craft. Now, it didn't mean that I was a fashion diva and that's really where my calling is. But when I see the connection, my work must have creativity, innovation, strategy um, for me to be thriving. And it's very important for me to be creating. And if I look back on any role that was around marketing or strategy or branding or communicating or creating workshops, that's where I thrive because it, there's a strong connection there at a subconscious level. Um, I love cooking. <laughs> that doesn't mean that um, that restaurant business or being a chef is the only option. And it's really interesting. I, because of it being a hobby of mine, used to put a lot out there in social media in terms of my hobby at play in cooking. And, you know, that's another great way that if this is an area that you want to take your career into, to put your hobby out there on social media, even if you're pursuing your career as a hobby at the moment, because the universe and people pick it up. So I had the opportunity of having my own TV show series um, cooking TV show series, which is, you know, I used to watch MasterChef and everything. It's a dream come true. But just by putting my hobby out there, and what was really interesting having had that experience is that I realised that my motivation is not about being a celebrity. My motivation is not cooking the same dish over and over again. My motivation, I, I had actually tried um, creating a few things and retailing them and, you know, bottling things up and retailing it, and I hated it. Um, and I realized that my passion of cooking is about nurturing people. So at a subconscious level, nurturing people, developing them, being creative, being strategic, being innovative, assimilating things was really important to me. 
My final passion as, as a kid, um, final two, one was dancing. And I still believe that everyone should have fun in life and dance. And that's really where I, where I like to spread happiness. Um, and the final one, which I had to think really hard about, was I used to love going into banks and getting all the check slips and deposit slips and filling them out. <laughs> and I hate that. Like you can do, you can do like, well, I was very, in school, I was very good at accountancy, but I was like, I'd be mm -hmm. bored if I was doing this. But I hate admin. Um, I'm, I absolutely detest admin. But what I realised was I love being meticulous and structured to pull things together into a coherent way to create solutions and to create structures and businesses and, and models. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that was at play. So the thing is, it's not in retrospect that I realise, you know, the bank teller bit I do realise in retrospect where it connects, but a lot of the other things at a subconscious level, they are there. If you actually go back and think about what did you love doing when you were nine years old before adulting and the responsibility of adulting hit you, you know, the same question Nesha, your wife asked you, if you didn't have to earn money and money was not an issue or social stigmas were not an issue in terms of what, you really are um you know what would you really do and look i've had that where you know people said to me you've been an mba and what you want to be a social worker you know you've you've done an mba and what you want to be helping people in in this space um you know it's really important for us to break away from the social stigmas as well um and to really think about what is it that you would you were doing when you were nine years old and why was it that you were finding it enjoyable um, you know, when you were thinking about what you would love to do as your studies in university, before everyone pressurised you to do what was they perceived to be the right thing, what what is it that you wanted to do and why? Why was it really appealing to you? Um, you know, there was a part of me that wanted to do nursing. And again, this is around wanting to help people's health and well-being and, and you know, helping people grow. The teacher and me helping people grow to learn and develop. So, there's signs and signals everywhere if we actually do um, if we do do that self-reflection and analysis. I want to ask you, um, you know, fast forwarding to today, how do you know, what are the signs that you're in the right job? Look, I think um, I have been in jobs where it was it was the perfect money, the right money, um, the right title, and I struggled to get out of bed. And I watched the clock and I um, had to really self-coach myself to motivate myself to, to do it. Um, and I think if you're honest to yourself in that regard, that's a sign of you're not in the right space and obviously the opposite of that, which is, you know, if you've ever read a book or ever watched a Netflix series or ever done something that you absolutely love, that you literally do this with that kind of vigour, that doesn't mean you don't get stressed at work. That doesn't mean you still don't need a break. Of course you do. But, you know, for example, the tip sheets that I that I am, you know, going to share with the audience, I spent three hours creating and I didn't even know three hours went by. You're in the flow. And, you know, if that is when you're thriving, when you're in that flow, when you're doing something that you absolutely love. Why is it that work is not perceived with that same level of vigour of love and passion mm -hmm. as we do with our hobbies? 
Mm. Um, you know, and, and it's really important part because we see job, you know, we have this mental dissonance where we see work as life or you see work and kids looking after kids as the only aspects of your life and yet you get to burnout. And the reality is, is that these two things actually are a component of life, not all of life. So everything in life should be done with that same level of vigour. Um, mm -hmm. And so for me, it's the fact that, you know, I think it, it's interesting that I um, was working for an organisation and my role was recently made redundant. I know I'm in the right space of work, that I'm still feeling calm because I know I'm in the right place. Um, and I think that's a really important thing. I'm not feeling this disarray and confusion because you, you are, and it, again, this is the spiritual part of me that comes through. You are in a very um, serene place. I don't mm. know how, how, how else to put it in words. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it is that sort of sense of... Um uh, time sits still and it isn't, you know, you, you, you gravitate towards a task rather than just putting it off or leaving it or, yeah. you, know, you know, kind of observing the energy that you have around around when you do it. And I, I hear what you're saying about the right balance because too much of a good thing can leave you, um, you know, stressed or anxious yeah. or overworked and uh, uh, feeling a bit burnt out. So, um, yeah, no, the, and it's interesting, those signals, because they do come at you in different ways. You know, for some people in a job they, they don't like, it's, you know, hitting the pub at five o'clock or, you know, <laughs> um, dreading dreading Mondays or, or, or whatever. It does, it does sort of creep up on you without, if you don't have a conscious level of consciousness around it, I think. So, and I think um, it's also the opposite. Um, Carolyn, you know, I've seen, I've, I've coached people as well who've been so happy with what they're doing that they're absolutely broken the fact that they've lost their job mm. um, and I think you know they need to have that hope and faith as well that they're mm. that it's the nature of the work that they're doing that they really need to think about where else not mm. necessarily that job title that organization or that industry that the connection is with mm. I really like that um, thing that you said about that um, you know the title don't you know really don't follow the title you know follow the work because titles could change, you know, you know, organizations, in my view, you know, throw titles to make it sound fancier, you know, you know, in India, we used to call, you know, you are a senior manager, assistant manager, deputy manager, deputy general manager, general manager, I said, oh, come on, you know, yeah, but we are getting some great feedback. So, uh, so Caroline, there's a complaint, uh, you know, against you that you stole someone's question, but I think uh, Did I? There is oh. <laughs> Never mind, you'll get over it. Great, great minds think alike. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we got a, we got a, you know, really great, uh, you know, feedback uh, about that experiencing our pathways to discover our purpose and prepare us for our true calling. And childhood definitely is a good place to look back when you are a bit lost and looking for inspiration on what to do. So that's really kind of gives you that, um, you know. And uh, so one of the, you know, kind of thing that I wanted to ask you about, I, I listen to Pico Iyer a lot and we discussed that in our prep meeting as well. And he talks about this idea, different idea, but if I bring back to the career reinvention part is the, the stillness part. 
you know he uh, you know i was listening to him you know his uh, you know commencement or graduation speech somewhere that he gave and he said imagine this that you got a box of potato chips and you you love that you opened it up and you started to eat that eat that eat that right and after you're completely your stomach's full and you're you know you feel completely satisfied then you look at oh there is a salad next to it oh then there is there is a cake next to it but you are so consumed by that that you never see what's available outside it is in the times where you zoom out it is in the time where you sit still it is where you time you deliberately take a pause you can really see what was behind you and do that what are your thinkings on on taking a deliberate pause or you know for those people who are unfortunately struggling at this time you know can they really treat this as a deliberate pause that yeah, i have paused this now how do i rethink so i wanted to give you kind of you know some of yeah. your observations around that look it is it is a difficult time and i relate to people who've who've lost their jobs and i have as well and i i think there's another there's a couple of things at play here one which is losing your job the other which is isolation um and you know i also recently wrote a piece on um and i was speaking with Yanesh about that which is around reframing loneliness to solitude um you know i've also become an empty nester so this isolation was really really uh, interesting for me but to reframe it um from loneliness to solitude and and in solitude it's about actually um growing whereas loneliness is about what you've lost and solitude is about what you're about to gain and what you can move forward to um with the other thing that's there is what pico i actually mentions really nicely is you know when you're eating those potato chips you're so consumed in it that you don't have the ability to see the choices that you do have available that you really had the choice of the salad and um you know the satisfaction also wanes off from the chips when you realize you had other choices as well so even if you don't believe in the spiritual nature of stillness and meditation and mindfulness if you believe in the rationality of reflection to actually consider your options and choices i think it's really important for you to take enough time for you to think about the short term medium term and the long term consequences and ramifications of your choices um and likewise when you think of it that way of what you're thinking that you're losing to actually consider it as is this just a short term medium term or a long term loss you know if we go back to that lost element it, you know a lot of us are catastrophizing at the moment that if i don't get money coming in straight away um i'm going to lose my house there are many people who are in very serious financial trouble but i think there's also a lot of us who can afford to take one month pause to really think things through um we also have to consider that you know we're all going through the change cycle so in the change cycle you're kind of hit you're shocked you're you're making decisions in a very emotional state of grief often and are you actually making the right choices as well so even if you want to consider it in those rational um logical means it really has value in having some pause to be self reflective the question is is you know what are you doing in the pause um first is a lot of us need to rest second is a lot of us need to have self care and compassion to actually allow ourselves to rest and to um to to let it out you know 
then the other thing is that we actually need to allow ourselves to refresh ourselves, which means that we might need to engage in something other than work or thinking about work or thinking about the stressors of the finances and things like that, and to actually just allow ourselves to become human um, again. And I still regard this as part of your self-care strategy um, to make sure that you, you really do give yourself the oxytocin that you yourself can give you as well whether that is in pursuing your hobbies, pursuing what you love doing. And I did that. I did reading. I did, um, you know, went back to doing, other than playing doctors and nurses and going to banks and filling out deposit slips. I did do my dancing and I did do my arts and crafts and, and sewing. Um, and I did my reading and stuff. Um, do the things that you love doing, things that come come naturally to you and easily to you and rediscover your sense of liveliness and fun and passion and happiness. Now you're in a decision to actually think about what choices to make and where to reflect and what to do and to consider short, medium, long-term aspects as well um, and then move forward. So very long answer to Pika Oyo's potato chips and salad, but absolutely solitude, um, silence and you know there's there's also different ways of having downtime one which is meditating one which is silence one which is um, you know reading so med and, and just making sure that you give yourself that um, switch off time from making decisions and thinking things through it's funny I think Natasha yesterday had a phrase and I don't know if it was hers or something that she'd sort of Heard, but I thought it was really great. Which it was around the revenge choice in life. So, what are you? Are you getting revenge on on your past with your your choice in life versus um, giving yourself that pause to go? What is it next? You know, what is it that I'm not responding to the um, grief or loss or anger or of a situation? But am I responding in a place of you know compassion and what what's good for me as well? And I think sometimes. You know, there's no no uh, shame in seeking help. You know, if you need the help of a counsellor to work out, yeah. work through that grieving process, I always see that as a sign of strength. Yeah. Um, because, it, you know, it gives you clarity for your next step. And it doesn't, we are in a society that goes bang, 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 and a culture of huge productivity. Um, if you're not busy, there's something wrong with you. But I think, you know, that's not, that doesn't help making great, great decisions. You know, yeah, really doesn't help clear the air and the space in your head and and that type of thing. I think. And also, I think you know, it's the labels that we're putting at the end of the day. You know, mm. maybe it's not grief. Maybe it's normal and natural to mm. have to think things through in terms of deciding. Mm. You know, um, a lot of us are going to come through to this journey and as well of career reinvention when we look at the future of work. Mm. Um, you know, where do you want to go? What do we need to do? Where is the world going? What do I start sowing the seeds into today? Um, and, you know, how do I make those decisions? So it's, it's having choices and decision-making. So I don't really see it. You know, it's, it's interesting, Carolyn, having been a person who's worked in marketing and branding and advertising agencies, I, I think we all need to realise that we're FMCG products. I might sound really silly saying this, but we're all FMCG products, right? So the Procter & Gamble's and Unilever's and everyone, do you know the number of products they've had to rebrand, relaunch, mm. um, refresh because the competition or the market was dying out or whatever? That's all we're doing. I don't know mm. why we put 
the only difference is that we as living human creatures have emotions, whereas the FMCG products don't. So, I mean, we, I like we, 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 as, we as branders try and create a personality for those products and, and brands, yeah. but, you know, so that's where I think if we can become a lot more aware of, am I operating, and going back to Natalie's revenge theory, am I operating from an emotional trigger or mm. an emotion, and which is a cultural um, stigma or a cultural bias or a cultural conditioning or sitting here and you know, even when it comes to finances, when you go through career reinvention, I went from being four times my, my salary to what it is today by making a career choice. Now, some people will think that's silly. Have mm. you got your MBA return on your MBA? I'm like, well, you know, th these are things that we, we do to be happy and to have a meaningful life. At the end of the day, if you do your numbers and actually think about, for me to have my meaningful life and sustain my quality of life, do I really need that pay package? Mm. You know, what is actually the, the pay package that I can do this in? There's a huge difference between what that could actually be. And I think mm. that's you know, the first thing that we also need to look at in, in evaluating um, whether it makes sense or not. Mm. Um, so there's... there's um, many ways of uh, making sure that we're reframing what mm. these stigmas are out there. I was just reflecting on yeah. that, you know, um, with Aratna, if you come from a corporate career to doing coaching your own business, there's a big income drop, there's a, you know, big reframing and it's there where your network is, like your close friends will understand if they're still on that path, but it's also there where your network you know, attracting people that are on that same path or just ahead of you that really um, helps with sustaining that and, and helping normalise um, the experience for you as well. So um, I've certainly found that with the work that I've done. So, yeah. I think there's also, um, from a personal level, and this probably has nothing to do with career reinvention, but I think on a personal level in terms of being materialistic i know that the more that i was in an unhappy state the more i was spending <laughs> yeah you know yeah. i was i was into my my prada bags and everything like i was into the spending and the more that i'm in that flow in that area of doing the work that has meaning for me those things don't mm. i don't wish to have any bad labeling on any brands but what I mean is is that you really are in a much more comfortable state to actually think about what areas you really wish to spend in um, mm -hmm. and not spend in for your quality of life and your meaningful life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely if I can throw the last question we are coming to an end uh, around the you know obviously you know Caroline in uh, her LinkedIn post also talked about various things that she you know kind of tipped her toes in you know volunteering and doing other work as well. What's the power of experimentation around career reinvention? Uh, you know, because you do get, you really want to test it out, right? You know, before you really, you know, just like how in Indian weddings, before you set the menu out, the, uh, you know, the caterer will come to your home and say, look, this is the menu. This is how it tastes. Can you taste it for us? You know, it's like you kind I of taste it. <laughs> I love your analogies, but Nesha, as soon as I heard about Indian weddings, I thought you were going to say whether you want to test the, the bride or the groom out. I didn't realize <laughs> you were the menu. 
When we talk about career re reinvention, it is a journey and a work in motion. It is not, uh, it's not bridge A to bridge B. It's the ability to transition from, from here to there. Um, to a certain extent, possibly the, if I look at my journey, there were probably two or three different roles that came in between to where I am now that were actually still on my path in my career reinvention journey. So the value of experimentation, or I, I should not even say experimentation, the value of experiences is that it actually helps you clarify your subconscious purpose and clarify your journey, um, whether you realize in that journey. So if I think about when I first moved into developing people, I knew that my calling and my purpose was to help nurture people to become a better version of themselves and to help them become the best version of themselves. That was my calling and purpose. But my lead-in was into the, the work was very much driven by my personal experience and challenge that I experienced as one of the minority women in the senior regional leadership team in the um, and therefore feeling a void of mentorship and a lack of, of support and really realizing that my colleague, another female, was, was the only support that we had and that we really wanted to make sure that we could support other women to get that support as well. So I had my calling. My direction into that was very much led by that opportunity and that challenge that I wanted to address. And as I've progressed in that journey, it's of course shifted beyond just women leaders to all leaders. It's shifted beyond um, executive coaching to career coaching. It's shifted into now really being much more around helping people have a meaningful life, which incorporates careers as well as um, health and well-being and, you know, as well as being somebody who's thriving as a leader. So it's the refinement in the process. So it's the experiences that refine it versus um, experimentation and if i if i come back to fmcg it's the product innovation where the product concept is there the product you know prototype one is tested prototype two is tested prototype three is is then launched into market so it's the different prototyping um of of really getting the clarity within yourself of where that direction has to be does that do you agree with that yeah, I, I kind of, you know, uh, you know, agree with that, ex, you know, I think experiences does, but also testing out your ideas too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, I was talking to somebody who's currently in a test manager role and he said, I want to go out to, to more product development, product yep. management. I said, look, that's a fantastic. If you think you can do it, that's half of the problem solved, yep. right? But then I said, look, you got to really meet people who are product managers really engage with them really go to those meetups really learn about them what does it really involve day to day because the glorified version of product manager sounds absolutely amazing you can rock into a party and say i work as a product manager for this company people say wow 
but it does not really affect yeah. your you know affect your satisfaction of career so i said this is what you got to do is to is to tip your toe in and and figure yeah. out whether that is you or not so that that's how i feel the experimentation and, really can help scale yeah. And I'll, 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 sorry, go on, Carolyn. Yeah, no, just the idea about experimentation. You know, when you're making a change, it's always a lot of the time based on past, right? But you can leave, you can do a lot of things, so many things that you don't believe that you can do. And, you know, with the, my experimentation, I found myself within a very short time frame doing things that I was never allowed to do at work, that if I'd stayed in that framework of who I was at work, I would never have attempted yeah. to do. Yeah. And I think that's the gift of, of that. Sorry, I interrupted you. You're going yeah. to say. No, no, no. So, I, yeah. I was actually going to say um, two things. One, in terms of Nershad, I think the term ex experimentation, I agree with when you're looking at it in the context of how which roles am I going to define it into. Yeah. But I think what's important is to realise that the skills that you enjoy doing and what direction you want to take is is an important one and then yes you might be experimenting um, and exploring different roles to really figure out where those skills fit into which roles and even mm -hmm. i've often said to to people you know just open your mind by just going and having a look at all the jobs that have been advertised have a look at what the different titles are. What are they asking in terms of the kind of skills and what that role is going to be doing? How does that connect with you? What do you like in it? What do you not like in it? What are you learning in terms of what your ideal role would look like? Um, and really to discover yourself from that context because we only know what we know. Mm. So had I been introduced to psychiatry when I was you know, um, going through university at the age of 18, I would have probably taken that, but that wasn't an option that was introduced as school subjects when I was when I was studying. Mm. And, I, and I think the other thing is, um, you know, there is a strategy tips list that I've sort of shared with you that I think, you know, one bit is, is going back, when you do that self-reflection, one aspect of it is, is going back into your childhood and really thinking about what you love playing, but also what subjects you wanted to do it in year 10 and 10 to 12 and why were you choosing them um, and also then to do your own reflection about what roles you have been working in what did you enjoy about that role um, and you know what did you not like and really to think things through to try and define beyond that title beyond that um, industry what is it the nature of work that you really enjoyed doing and the other part is also to think about your why um, so, you know, at the moment where our careers are around what and how, mm. but in career reinvention, it's very important for you to think about your why, which is, you know, what is your purpose? What is going to be the legacy that you leave behind? What is the difference that you want to make? And, you know, this is what the Japanese ikigai mm. speaks of as a concept as well. Um, and to also think about... Um, what interests that you have you know do you have certain passions certain areas that you're really driven by you may not have any experience in that in that um interest area but the combination of your past experience and skills and strengths can actually add to it you know similarly if you think back to the job that i got as a farmer rep that's exactly what what led me to to that um and also to think about what situations you have overcome in life mm. so challenges that you've overcome in life as well as at work so for example carolyn you know the things that you probably did 
at work that weren't part of your job description, mm -hmm. but you actually did, and you can claim that your experience. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of us who have have life experiences where um, we can actually claim that as the ability to to make a difference and how we could work with that. So my personal story, um, I have family members who've had mental health challenges um, and having been having had that lived in experience and having been a carer, there are, there are ways that you can add to um, that as their career choice as well, if, if that is important for you. So mm. I think these are, there's beyond just your um, past where you've been that you need to have, you obviously need to have the confidence, the courage and everything, but you really need to discover through that silence, through that um, quiet time, through that self-reflection, what is your calling? What's your why? What's your purpose? Excellent. So, you know, thanks a lot. It's a great conversation. There's a question for you. Last question uh, that we have. Uh, and uh, the question is, what advice would you give to your younger self based on what you know now? To my younger self? Yes. Um, it's interesting. My, my kids are 20 and 22, and I give this advice to them as well, that um, don't just apply for a job because it's like a job. I keep saying to them, I really want you to do that self-reflection of what is it that you really like? You know, is there a particular industry? Is there a hobby that you love doing? So, you know, my son is very much into games and gaming. And I keep saying to him, there's something there. Um, my daughter is very much into theater and um, makeup and production. And for me, I, I think the advice to the younger self would be really focus on what you, the younger you are, the more tuned you are to your passions. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, unfortunately, my advice to my kids is be the rebel and follow your heart. And it, it, it does cost my heart a lot giving that advice to them and, and um, living through with the consequences. But yeah, <laughs> that's the advice. Awesome. Awesome. That is fantastic. Sean, we've got many people saying, you know, I'm loving this conversation. So you've been you've touched. I think it is it is a very interesting topic and uh, you know, loved your your thoughts and your insights and personal anecdotes around this. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. I didn't we were in such flow, didn't even see the time go by. <laughs> <so> thank you. <laughs> Anything, KB? Um, no, just to say thank you, Shan. It's been a really interesting conversation. We'd love to have you um, on again. I think it's, you know, there's so many aspects involved in, in you know, finding your path and, and finding the right path for you and the ways that you can do it and, and that type of thing. And I'm sure everyone's gotten a lot of value out of, um, you know, what we've been discussing today. So, yeah, thank you again. Thank you. Lovely to meet up as well. Excellent. Everyone, I will see you tomorrow. We are going to talk about how to not hate networking. So just to let you know. Can't get it to is, like it, just not hate it. Just don't hate it, okay? Just in any way. Look, you know, you can't meet anyone right now. So it's it's a conversation that we are going to have for a bit distant future uh, as well. But it will be fascinating. We are speaking to a Canadian who is now uh, you know migrated to, to New Zealand and he's uh, you know, been getting jobs just through networking and he's, you know, developed, uh, you know, interesting strategies around that. So 
it's going to be another fascinating conversation so until we see you tomorrow everyone stay happy stay healthy and go anywhere you want to um, <laughs> there are no restrictions see you later everyone bye thank you everyone for listening to the your career down under show hope you enjoyed today's episode if you want to know more about how your career down under can help you please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au and if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic please reach out to us we would love to do that until next time be well